Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. Around the table with me this morning is Vinny Henke from Valley Life Community Church and Ryan Hempfell from Treasure Valley RPCNA and Jonathan Van Hoogen from Spring United Reformed Church. And we are approaching Christmas. We're almost there. And lately we have been using a little devotion called The Coming of the King, some thoughts and writings of that have been compiled of J.C. Ryle to help us prepare for really the, the reason why hopefully we're celebrating this time of year, the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And today we're going to be looking at some readings from Luke 1. And Ryan's going to read Zechariah's song, but before we get there, I think he's going to provide a little context for you and us as listeners. Yeah, this is uh, Zechariah's prophecy or song, and you know the story of Zechariah is he is the husband of Mary's cousin Elizabeth. He was serving as a high priest, and that year Gabriel came to him and the, as he was performing his duties and prophesied of his son uh, to be born as John the Baptist. He and his wife are both much older and past childbearing years. And unlike Mary, Zechariah didn't quite believe the message. And so as punishment, he was, the ability to speak was removed. He was mute and uh, throughout the pregnancy. And so John is born. People are wondering what he's going to be called. Elizabeth says he'll be called John. People are surprised by that. But then Zechariah wrote on a tablet that his name is John, which Gabriel prophesied. And at that moment, his mouth is opened. And we read this. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. J.C. Ryle writes in his Advent meditation here, Let us now consider the thanksgiving of Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, and hear what praise it draws from an aged priest. 
We should notice the deep thankfulness of a Jewish believer's heart in the prospect of the Messiah's appearing. Praise is the first word that falls from the mouth of Zacharias as soon as his dumbness is removed and his speech restored. He begins with the same expression with which Paul begins several of his letters. Blessed is the Lord. At this period of the world, we can hardly understand the depth of this good man's feelings. We must imagine ourselves in his position. We must think of ourselves seeing the fulfillment of the oldest promises in the Old Testament, the promise of a Savior, and beholding the accomplishment of this promise brought near to our own door. We must try to realize what a dim and imperfect view people had of the gospel before Christ actually appeared and of the shadows and types passed away. Then perhaps we might have some feeling of, of Zacharias when he cried out, Blessed is the Lord! It may be feared that Christians have a very low and inadequate understanding of their amazing privileges in living under the full light of the gospel. We have probably a very faint idea of the comparative dimness and twilight of being a Jew before Jesus came. We have a very feeble notion of what the church must have been before the incarnation of Christ. Let us open our eyes to the extent of our obligations. Let us learn from the example of Zacharias and be more thankful. Rao continues, We should notice in this hymn of praise how much stress Zacharias lays on the God's fulfillment of his promises. Let us learn to rest on promises and embrace them as Zacharias did. Let us not doubt that every word of God about his people concerning things in the future will as surely be fulfilled as every word about them has been fulfilled concerning things in the past. Their safety is secured by promise. The world, the flesh, and the devil will never prevail against any believer. Their acquittal at the last day is secured by promise. They will not come to condemnation, but will be presented spotless before the Father's throne. Their final glory is secured by promise. Their Savior will come again the second time, as surely as he came the first, to gather his saints together and to give them a crown of righteousness. Let us be persuaded of these promises. Let us embrace them and not let them go. They will never fail us. God's word is never broken. He is not human that he should lie. We have a seal on every promise which Zacharias never saw. We have the seal of Christ's blood to assure us what God has promised God will perform. And let us also notice what clear views of Christ's kingdom Zacharias possessed. He declares that the kingdom of Messiah is a kingdom in which his people are to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him. This kingdom, he proclaimed, was coming near. Prophets had long foretold that it would one day be set up. In the birth of his son, John the Baptizer, and the near approach of Christ, Zacharias saw the kingdom close at hand. Let us give all diligence to belong to this kingdom. Small as it seems now, it will be great and glorious one day. The men and women who have served God in holiness and righteousness will one day see all things put under them. Every enemy will be subdued, and they will reign forever in that new heaven and earth where righteousness dwells. When you are in the opening chapters of the book of Luke, even though we are in the New Testament, we're in a lot of ways still in the old. And maybe help our listeners understand what i mean by that comment if you go back into the old testament you know we're ending in uh, the book of malachi and so for now 400 years there's been a silence you know there's been you know 
people are still operating in in Old Testament ways in terms of sacrifices and all these things, as Ryle's pointing out, are simply types and shadows pointing forward to the Christ who's to come. So they have the promises, they have all this. This, but you know what is r- remarkable in in here is that now for these four hundred years of silence are over. John the Baptist is going to be the new prophet that's going to be the the forerunner of Christ who's going to be pointing to the Savior. And in one sense, you know, R.C. Sproul pointed out that the last prophet of the Old Testament is John the, the Baptist. Baptist. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. he, is Eli- he is Elijah if you'll receive him, uh, is what, what uh, uh, Jesus says about uh, uh, John the Baptist. So right now we're, we're getting the uh, – we're getting – a new special revelation being given by God, given through the angel as a messenger of God to Zacharias as he's done to Mary as well. Yeah, just on that, uh, John the Baptist is that kind of transition point almost. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets. And Jesus says of him that, you know, there is no one greater born, but he who is in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So there's this uh, kind of going away of one and bringing in the new. If the Old Testament was about shadows and types, and as Ryle says, there was a dimness to it, what, what what's the ongoing benefit for a person now on this side of the cross to continue to go back into the Old Testament? Well, we see the meta narrative of Scripture of, of God's historical redemptive plan, and so we see the the faithfulness of God by going to the Old Testament and seeing the promises He's made, and then reading it in light of the New Testament. And so, the New Testament it helps us understand the Old Testament promises in their right context. And so, I, I don't think you can uh, accurately read the New Testament without reading the Old Testament alongside of it. It gives us also confidence that Jesus is who He said He was. I mean, not only the works that He did, but the fact that the Gospels, especially Matthew, makes a point of showing he fulfilled this promise. And then even at these moments when these births are prophesied and then they're fulfilled, um, we see people resting on those promises and their fulfillment. Yeah, We can't unhitch the Old Testament. This is going to break down slightly, but I'm still going to go there. Um, <laughs> there's this huge push right now in, in our culture as far as the entertainment world to, to tell the backstory of heroes and superheroes and all of these things. In some ways, you can look at the Old Testament and say, that's the backstory. If you really want to understand the fullness of the New Testament, then you need to understand the, the storyline that comes before it that gives it its structure, it gives it its 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 meaning, it gives you, to use the analogy, the backstory, so that the New Testament is even richer and fuller and more beautiful because you get a little bit more of the nuance that the Old Testament provides. Is that is was that too far? No, no origin story. Fits, yeah. yeah, it also helps us for the uh, the end of the story. You know, keep in mind. You know what came before, because you know the prophecies of John and concerning the last days and end of times. He's drawing from the prophecies of the Old Testament, and if we kind of divorce those two, that's when we start making crazy ideas. There is no New Testament book that utilizes the Old Testament more than the Book of Revelation. 
which is fascinating that yep. the book about the last times reaches back and says, this actually isn't new. Almost everything that's going to be revealed to John is really just a recycling. Um, mm-hmm. that God, in essence, is plagiarizing himself and just bringing back all of these Old Testament truths and saying, I've already said this before, but let me say it again and give it to you afresh in a new new way, but not in new words, not new imagery, not new. I'd, so sometimes people that struggle with the book of Revelation because they don't actually realize the context of the Old Testament that should help inform mm-hmm. and enlighten the, the reading of the new. As we are getting to the end of our time here, help our listeners just feel the security of being able to rest in the promises of God um, during this Advent season. So how can they be a Zechariah, if you will? Well, in the same way as you know, both Zechariah and Mary looked back and rested in the promises that were made in the Old Testament for what they were seeing in their day, we have the advantage we now have the full revelation of Scripture. And so that pattern still holds that we can find comfort in looking at Scripture as a whole and those promises that God has yet fulfilled. He's faithful to fulfill them back then, and he shows, he proves his faithfulness, and we can look in confidence to the complete fulfillment when Christ returns again. Jesus Christ is the yes and amen to all of the promises of God. And so when Jesus Christ came and fulfilled all of those promises of the old, in essence, then you can say anything that God has spoken will come to pass because Jesus Christ guarantees it. And hopefully in during this Advent season, you can rest in the fullness of the security of knowing that God is faithful to all that he has said. You've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We'll see you tomorrow.